0: Tyler Powers Radio, I'm back. I can't wait until tomorrow. After I read you guys that little bit, aren't you curious what goes on in New York City in The Last President? I am. Let's get into it. Oh my goodness. I'm reading this. You might hear clicks as I turn the page. That was a terrible night for the great city of New York. The night of Tuesday, November 3rd, 1896. The city staggered under the blow like a huge ocean liner which plunges full speed with terrific crash into a mighty iceberg. And recoil shattered and trembling like an aspen. The people were gathered, light hearted and confident. At the evening meal, when the news burst upon them, it was like a thunderbolt out of an azure sky. Attegeld holds Ill- Illinois hard and fast in the Democratic line. This elects Brian President of the United States. Strange to say, People in the upper portion of the city made no movement to rush out of their houses and collect in the public squares. Although the night was clear and beautiful, they sat as if paralyzed with a nameless dread. And when they conversed, it was with bated breath and throbbing hearts. In less than half an hour, Mounted policemen dash through the streets calling out, keep within your houses, close your doors, and barricade them. The entire East Side is in a state of uproar. Mobs of vast size are organizing under the lead of anarchists and socialists and threaten to plunder and despoil the houses of the rich who have wronged and oppressed them for so many years. Keep within doors, extinguish all lights. Happily, Governor Morton was in town, and although a deeper pallor came into the ashen hue of age as he spoke, yet there was no tremor in his voice. Let the seventh, 27th, and 71st regiments be ordered under arms. In a few moments, hundreds of messengers could be heard racing through the silent streets, summoning the members of these regiments to their armories. Slowly, but with admonish, astonishing nerve and steadiness, the mobs pushed the police northward, and although the force stood, the on- withstood the onslaught with magnificent courage, yet beaten back, The dark masses of infuriated beings surged up again with renewed fury and strength. Will the troops be in time to save the city? Was the whispered inquiry amongst the knots of police officials who were directing the movements of their men? About 9 o'clock, with deafening outcries, the mob, like a four-headed mobster breathing fire and flame, raced tore, burst, and ravaged into Union Square. The police force was exhausted, but their front was still like a wall of stone, save that it was movable. The mob crowded it steadily to the north, while the air quivered and was rent with mad vociferations of the victors. Brian is elected! Brian is elected! Our day has come at last, down with our oppressors! Death to the rich man, death to the gold bugs, death to the capitalists! Give us back the money you have ground out of us, give us back the narrow of our bones which you have used to grease the wheels of your chariots! The police force was now almost helpless. The men still used their sticks, but the blows were ineffectual and only served to increase the rage of the vast hordes now advancing upon Madison Square. The Fifth Avenue Hotel will be the first to feel the fury of the mob. Will the troops be in time to save it? A half-cheer a half cry of joy goes up. It is inarticulate. Men draw a long breath, and women drop upon their knees and strain their eyes. And they can hear something, but they can't see as yet, as the gas houses and electric plants had been destroyed by the mob early in the evening. They preferred to fight in the dark or by the flames of rich rich men's abodes, Again, a cheer goes up, louder and clearer this time, followed by cries of, they're coming, they're coming. Yes, they were coming. The 22nd down Broadway, the 7th down Madison Avenue, both on the double quick. In a moment or so, there were a few bugle calls and a few spoken commands rang out clear and sharp and then the two regiments stretched across the entire square, literally from wall to wall in line of battle. The mob was upon them. With this slender line of troops, could it hold such a mighty mass of men in check? The answer was deafening, was a deafening discharge of firearms, a terrific crack, some as, as some thunderbolts made when they explode. A wall of fire blazoned across the square. Again and again it blazed forth. The mob halted, stood fast, wavered, and fell back, advanced again. At that moment there came a rage as of huge knives in the distance. It was the gallant 71st charging up 23rd Street and taking the mob of the flank they came on like a wall of iron bristling with blades of steel. There were no cries, no cheers from the regiment. It dealt out death in silence, save when two bayonets crossed and clashed in bearing down some doubly vigorous foe as the bells rang out midnight. The last remnants of the mob were driven to cover, but the wheels of the dead wagons rattled till daybreak. And then the aged governor, in response to the mayors, thank God we've saved the city, made answer, I, but the Republic. Chapter 2 Great as has been the world's wonder at the uprising of Mr. Bryan's struggling masses in the city by the sea and the narrow escape of its magnificent homes from fire and brand, yet greater still was the wonderment when the news was flashed across the land that Chicago did not stand in need of a single federal soldier. Chicago is mad, but it is the madness of joy. Chicago is in the hands of a mob, but it is a mob made up of her own people, noisy, rude and boisterous, the natural exultation of a suddenly enfranchised class, but bent on no other mischief than glorying over the villainous and self-seeking souls who have ground the faces of the poor and turned the pitiless screw of social and political power into the hearts of the common people until its last thread had been reached and despair pressed its lupine visage hard upon the door of the laboring man. And yet at this moment, when the night air quivered with the mad vociferations of the common people, that the Lord had been good to them that the wicked money changers had been driven from the temple, that the stony-hearted usurers were beaten at last, that the people's William was at the helm now, that peace and plenty would in a few moons come back to the poor man's cottage, that silver was king, aye, king at last. The world still went wondering why red-eyed anarchy, as she stood in Haymarket Square, with thin arms aloft, with wild mien and wilder gesticulation, drew no bomb of dynamite from her bosom, to hurl at the hatred minions, hated minions of the law, who were silent spectators of this delirium of popular joy. What was it thus? Look. Look, and you shall know why white-robed peace kept step with this turbulent band and turned its thought from red-panded pillage he was there the master spirit to hold them in leash he and he alone had lifted brian to his great eminence without these 24 electoral votes brian had been doomed hopelessly doomed He and he alone held the great commonwealth of the West hard and fast in the democratic line. Hence, he came as conqueror, as kingmaker, and the very walls of the sky-touching edifice trembled as he was dragged through the crowded streets by his orderly mob, and 10 times 10,000 of his creatures bellowed his name. His creatures bellowed his name and shook their hats aloft in mad exultation. You're our Savior. You've cleaned the Temple of Liberty of its foul horde of usurers. We salute you. We call you Kingmaker. Brian shall call you Master, too. You shall have your reward. You shall stand behind the throne. Your wisdom shall make us whole. You shall purge the land of this unlawful crowd of moneylenders. You shall save the Republic. You are greater than Washington. You're a better friend of ours than Lincoln. You'll do more for us than Grant. We're your slaves. We salute you. We thank you. We bless you. Hurrah, hurrah, hurrah. But yes, yet. This vast throng of tamed monsters, this mighty mob of momentarily good-natured haters of established order, broke away from the master's control for a brief few moments and dipped their hands in the enemy's blood. The deed was swift as it was terrible. There were but four of them unarmed, on pleasure bent A sight of these men, a thousand throats belched, and out a deep and awful growl of hatred, They were brave men and backed against the wall to die like brave men, stricken down, beaten, torn, trampled, dragged. It was a quick work. They had faced howling savages in the far west, painted monsters in human form, but never had they heard such yells leave the throats of men. And so they died, four brave men, clad in the blue livery of the Republic, whose only crime was that some months back, again the solemn protest of the master. Their comrades had set foot on the soul of the commonwealth and saved the metropolis of the West from the hands of the same mob. And so Chicago celebrated the election of the new president who was to free the land from the grasp of the moneylenders and undo the bad business of years of unholy union between barterers and sellers of human toil and the lawmakers of the land. Throughout the length and breadth of the south and beyond the great divide, the news struck Hamlet and village like the glad tidings of a new evangel, almost as potent for human happiness as the heavenly message of 2000 years ago bells rang out in joyful acclaim and the very stars trembled at the telling and the telling over and over of what had been done for the poor man by his brethren of the north and around the blazing pine knots of the southern cabin and in front of the mining camp fires of the far west and the cry went up silver is king silver is king black palms and white were clasped in this strange love feast and the dark-skinned grandchild no longer felt the sting of the lash on his sire's shoulder. All was peace and goodwill, for the people were at last victorious over their enemies, who had taxed and tied them into a very living death. Now the laborer would not only be worthy of his hire, but would be paid to him in a people's dollar for the people's good. And now the rich man's coffers would be made to yield up their ill-gotten gain, and the sun would look upon this broad and fair land and find no men without a market for the product of his labors. Henceforth the rich man should, as was right and proper, pay a royal sum for the privilege of his happiness and take the nation's taxes on his broad shoulders where they belong.